Hello, and welcome to the Strategic Finance Lab podcast, Noid Group's home of insights and interviews about the future of finance and the office of the CFO. I'm Anthony Michaels, editor of Noid Group Insights. In today's episode, Noid Group's Justin Jones discusses how FP&A teams can lead the way for finance organizations embarking on digital transformation initiatives. He speaks with Aaron Bloomer, the vice president of FP&A at medical products maker Baxter International. Aaron has led a large-scale transformation to modernize FPNA at Baxter over the last 18 months, and he took on that challenge after driving finance transformation at 3M, where he worked for 13 years. In the interview, Aaron discusses how forward-thinking FPNA teams with mindsets focused on analytics as opposed to reporting are uniquely positioned to partner with business leaders who drive strategy. And he's a big believer in using artificial intelligence, or AI, to enhance analytics, leading to better decision-making. Justin starts the interview by asking Aaron about the AI tool creating massive amounts of buzz, ChatGPT. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for joining us today, Aaron. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. You have a background in FP&A and in technology, and you have a, a lot of views on how AI and analytics are going to sort of shape the world. And I, I want to hear that. But first, let's go right into the headlines. I, I want to talk about ChatGPT. That's what everybody's talking about now. I, I think you have some thoughts on, on how that can interact in finance and, and shaping the future near and long term. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, look. In, in just a, a very short period of time, ChatGPT has already revolutionized the way a lot of people are thinking about AI um, and the capability that it has. And I think if you're a, in finance and not thinking about the capabilities that something like ChatGPT can have and the disruption it can have on the industry, um, you're really not not forward thinking right now. And so, you know, many, many companies have started to look at things like NLG or natural language generation um, for quite some time where you, you look at, you know, uh, an AI or, or ML that can go in and, and evaluate your results and kind of, um, you know, quickly assess, you know, w w what it is that's happening within the particular month or quarter or, or year. But I think if you look at the, the capabilities with, with something like chat GPT, I think it's going to significantly enhance what it is that um, can be developed just in terms of basic reporting and analytics capabilities. And what that's going to do to a typical finance professional, you know, if, if you go back, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago and look at what the role for somebody in finance or FP&A, you know, FP&A wasn't even a term commonly used 15 years ago. Um, you know, it went from a role that did a lot of FP&R or financial planning and reporting kind of reporting out on the news of, of what happened in that particular period. And, and maybe some in the finance community who were pretty forward thinking would, would take that and apply it and really think about, okay, what do we do as a result of that? And, and how do we drive the business forward? I think if you look at today, right, most companies are to the, to the point where they're using and leveraging a lot of, you know, whether it be Tableau or Power BI dashboards to run their business day to day. So you've, you've digitized how we consume a lot of the data. And I think the role of finance has evolved a lot in the last 15 years. And again, as I mentioned before, I think some companies are starting to use um, NLG to, to really, again, enhance and limit 
the amount of time that somebody in finance has to spend on it. The goal that we have, and then I think a lot of finance professionals should have, is really to um, push out, you know, a, a self-service model, right? One source of truth, and so that anybody that's consuming the data can go in, go in at their own leisure and and digest the content, no different than how you do in your day-to-day -day life, um, and be able to quickly use the tools to identify and and um, assess where you have, you know, hot spots. Where do you want to spend your time? But the advantage of something like ChatGPT is where I think it can actually go in then and analyze for you and, and do that prescriptive so that you can actually then spend all of your time more focused on, okay, now what do we do about it? You, you talked about how AI and, and this tool could sort of integrate with, with the difference between FP&R, which is financial planning and reporting, and FP&A, which is the, the goal state is analysis. What's that difference between analysis and reporting? How, how do you level up to, to the A? Yeah, so to me, I think reporting is, is basic table stakes um, at this stage now in 2023. Uh, you know, so, and, and again, to me, how you consume it, everybody's expectations has changed, right? Everybody wants to have it at your fingertips quick. They want the tool to be very responsive, to be able to quickly, again, go in and cut data and be able to, to analyze how they did in that particular time period without using the assistance or needing the assistance of a, of a finance professional. But that's just the, the, what I would describe as digitizing our, our reporting capabilities. It's not actually providing any enhanced analytics. And as more and more companies have kind of come up the, the analytics curve and, and journey, right, you, you get into far more predictive analytics. And I think that, uh, we're just starting to scratch the surface on how you can use predictive analytics uh, to really enhance business performance. And I think finance is a great place to start for companies because there's a ton of data. And one of the things, I think, Justin, you and I have talked about and I have a lot of passion about is that data is, is the foundation to all of this, right? And having your data in order and in a really good spot is so critical to be able to do any of the more glamorous types of things when we talk about advanced analytics or predictive analytics. If you don't have your data in a robust, standardized, consumable format, you could throw the best data scientists in the world at the problem, and you're not actually going to end up with a um, with a prob with a, a solution to the problem. I think the other advice that I would give when thinking about advancing analytics is you want to make sure that the um, the solution makes sense. I think a lot of times, again, we get so focused on, again, bringing in really, really bright people around the world, data scientists, and they, they approach the, the problem and they, they, they make it fit for purpose, right? So they, they solve the equation using many, many different variables that go into it, and you end up with a, a really, really cool model. But then you have to go and explain it to a business partner, and it's like, no, 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 trust me, I'm the, I've got the Wizard of Oz here. Trust me, it's a black box. I can't explain it to you. And that, that doesn't work either, right? Because then you're not going to get in buy-in. Because at the end of the day, you know, one, of the, one of the primary use cases for advanced analytics is like automated forecasting, right? Where, again, a, a, a business partner doesn't have to waste their time going in. They can rely on a lot of the, the tools that are and capabilities that are available. But at the end of the day, if, if, if I can't explain to you what it is that's going into the model, then it's not really a, a user-friendly format. And so I think, again, 
that's where a finance person can come in and, and add a lot of value with understanding what are the basic business drivers and feed those variables into the model. You might not get a, a quite as of a perfect fit, right? As if you threw in many, many different uh, variables into the equation, but you want to keep it, you know, limited to something that makes sense. And, and do you think the FP&A function is is uniquely suited within the organization to make this push toward analytics? Absolutely. I've I've long held this belief because the really fun part about being an FP&A is that you know you sit at the center of everything. But I always talk to people when they're considering a, a career or a role within FP&A is if you do it right, you have the opportunity to really like co-lead the business. Um, so you're, you're partnering with um, the, the, the business leader to set the strategy, but then you also serve the role as like a quote COO, right? Where you're helping work cross-functionally across all the disciplines, R&D, sales, marketing, commercial, manufacturing, operations, the back end, that, that really puts it all together. And again, you're uniquely positioned that you're getting all of this data and insight coming into you. And then you pair that with, with what is hopefully an analytical mindset where you can quickly go in, assess and diagnose what's going on. Coupled with all of those business insights, you're, you're really, really uniquely positioned to be able to leverage analytics to uh, enhance business performance. Is there an example outside of finance that, that you think helps to make the case for how analytics is going to shape our lives in the next five, 10 years? Yeah, for sure. So, so for me, um, you know, obviously work is a huge passion of mine, but I, my, my passion is, is really my family, first and foremost, spending time with them. And secondly, um, you know, sports. And so I have a ton and from little on as a, as a kid, always loved sports would wake up the next day and, and read the newspaper and check the box scores and see how many points people were averaging. Um, you know, if, if I could go back in time, I would probably rethink and, and especially with how sports are now um, leveraging analytics uh, and, and rethink career choices. I think it's a, for me, the, the power of bringing sports and analytics together. It's, it's so powerful. And I, 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 uh, I love how analytics is leveraged in, in sports and baseball, basketball, football. I think for me, it really started with um, uh, Moneyball. Um, so pitch for the, for the movie, if you haven't seen it, I think what the Oakland A's did um, and how they completely transformed how to think about baseball, um, which obviously has just an, an abundance of data to be able to leverage. And you've seen other um, sports start to, to use that as well. It's used uh, very often in, in basketball and more and more now um, in football. My, my favorite team is um, the Minnesota Vikings, and their general manager that they hired um, actually doesn't even have an extensive background in professional football, right? It's, he was a, a trader on, on Wall Street and then, um, you know, very, very bright in terms of how to leverage advanced analytics. He's since learned the, the football side of things. But, again, I think more and more sports organizations are leveraging this, and I think sports – have even eclipsed how a lot of companies are leverage leveraging uh, analytics. And for me, it's a it's a passion area. It's an area that I hope um, to continue to advance uh, here at Baxter, and um, one that I'm very excited about. And to get back into your world, what was your path to FP&A, and what drew you to the function in the first place? So um, I actually I started an internal audit um, within 3M, which was a blast. It's a great opportunity to. Uh, 
to get to, to understand how companies work and operate and, and get a, a little bit of knowledge about a lot of different things. Um, but then I spent the bulk of the rest of my career within largely what would be described as a, a commercial FP&A role. So supporting a variety of different businesses across a number of different industries. Um, I had the, the opportunity to go lead a business um, in finance in, in Japan, um, and then had the chance to move to, to Shanghai uh, and take a, a regional CFO opportunity before coming back and, and really leading FP&A transformation at 3M. Did that for a couple of years and then decided I was ready for a new uh, challenge and, and came over to Baxter. And at Baxter, we've been, been doing a really exciting uh, broader finance, but, but also FP&A transformation over the last year and a half. It's, it's been quite a ride, um, a long ways to go still, but we're really thrilled to see how we're leveraging a lot of the areas that I have a passion about um, in, in the areas of, of reporting and analytics. And since you have this fairly unique perspective on FP&A, what are some areas where the way you manage your team may differ from the approaches of heads of FP&A at other companies? Yeah, maybe one example um, where maybe my point of view differs from from others is just with respect to even, you know, how to leverage the community um, to uh, to distribute a lot of your your data, your analytics, and in your digital reports. And so, in many companies, they've really preached. Everybody in the finance community should learn Alteryx or learn Tableau or learn Power BI. And while I think that there's value in doing that, and certainly as a, um, as a person, right, you, you gain a lot of great experience doing that and you get to dabble in a lot of different things, YouTube, different videos, and, and be able to then put that into practice. Um, however, I personally don't believe that that's the most efficient way for, for companies to deploy that. I think it's far better for everybody in the community to understand what Tableau, Power BI, R, Python, et cetera, are, right? And have just a foundational understanding of here's how we use them, here's how to navigate, here's how I might take the data that's sitting in there and be able to um, interpret that and again, be able to quickly do my job. But I don't necessarily want you know the thousands of people throughout the, the finance community sitting and, and wasting their time figuring out how to develop a Tableau report when the reality is there's great resources available around the world. Um, we happen to set ours up in India, um, a, a group of, of really talented individuals who specialize in like data engineering, data visualization. So for us, we have what's called subject matter experts that have enough of a knowledge around how to, again, partner with the business to say, how might I create a dashboard? Like what, what is it that I'm looking to create? And we always start with, you know, what are the core KPIs that we're trying to solve for? And we, again, going back to the single source of truth mantra, we try to start with CEO, CFO level goals, and then democratize that down throughout the organization. But if there's a unique view or anything like that, those SMEs then take the problem statement with the business and they sit with the data engineer and the data visualization expert, and you can quickly get back an optimized tool um, as opposed to, again, otherwise you end up with hundreds and thousands of tools and that's not efficient and it's really not how I believe um, companies should be structuring their, their data. You know, for, for a lot of companies, they look to it and they, they, they want all of their community to develop. Um, they want everybody to be well-versed um, in Tableau, I think a lot of people hear the word digitization and think, okay, everybody in the the whole uh, finance community has to to be able to create 
um, content that's digital. And again, I go back to what is the purpose and role of, of FPNA? And for me, I, that's not something that I want my FPNA professionals doing. Um, I, I certainly, a, a small subset of them within the community um, that are experts, um, and they don't have to come from finance, by the way, right? I think a lot of the, the great things about like our data engineers, our data scientists, and our um, data visualization experts, they don't necessarily come from a finance background. Um, they more come from, from that field and are specialized in that. Uh, whereas for me, I, I really want our FP&A professionals focus on strategic business partnering, right? So how do I take the data and, and be able to, to use that to really drive results? And what actions are we going to take? What are we going to do differently as a result of, of what I'm getting? Um, hopefully, what, what is a great analysis coming from our, our reporting analytics group? But the key, though, is standardization, right? I don't want, again, going back to what I said before, I don't want hundreds of different tools. At the end of the day, take something like sales. There should only be so many ways you can really cut and look at sales. And so what we did was, you know, sit down with, with executive leadership and really understand, you know, what are the core KPIs around sales that we want to have? How do we want to measure ourselves? We, we looked at a variety of different tools that were being leveraged across the company and really packaged that into one, one tool, um, going back to that one-stop shop. Uh, and, and that's now what's leveraged. And we're sunsetting thousands of tools that exist um, across the company. And so it's just kind of one example um, of what we're trying to do and, and how we're trying to think a little bit differently about how to, how to leverage analytics. Do you think it might be tempting for some to just sort of have someone on their team make something because it's it's quicker, it's easier, and it might even be cheaper than going out and hiring someone who's a dedicated data analytics professional. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think that, and and I think that as a again personally, I think people get value out of like, oh, I created this really cool tool, and everybody, wow, what a way to look at this. But again, I, I kind of go back to there's a lot of really bright people who who I'm confident can do it better than I could create a tool. Um, and, and my job is, is really to, to how do I leverage that? You have to, t to really map out what it is that everybody across the world is doing in relation to FP&A. And for us, like around our journey, you know, we had to standardize the way in which we work, migrate a lot of that activity then to our centers of excellence, um, upscale what we got out of our centers of excellence. So to move from what I would describe as more of a shared service transactional planning activity to being more of a, a finance business partner. So an extension of kind of the in-country finance resources. And so we've pulled a lot of resources out of the system. Um, I think changing service levels has been something that's key. And so certainly CEO and their direct reports, we still play and, and support them, you know, one-to-one. -one. Right? And so they, they still have a, a high-level senior finance person that's providing them and counseling them. But the further down you go into the organization, the more we, we really leverage our COE and leverage more like, rather than one-to-one, -one, more like zone defense, right, for basketball analogy. And so we have, you know, a, a model whereby people either have to get the data and analysis themselves, or they can go and, and leverage a COE resource. But typically, again, they're not going to be one-to-one. You know, for, for large corporations, I think the benefit of, of setting up a model like this and investing in a model like this is you will realize significant savings across FP&A. I mean, for, 
for us, savings was not at the forefront of why we were doing the transformation. But I will tell you, a year and a half in, we were achieving, you know, that and more some from from what we were expecting relative to to savings coming out of the project. And you've talked a bit about how you rely on these COEs, the centers of excellence. What's your philosophy on what duties get divided to those centers of excellence as opposed to a shared service center that might take on more manual tasks? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a play on words, but I do think it's important because to me, a, a shared service center, you know, you think of as a lot of transactional, right? And so the, the service that you're providing is no different than a lot of what gets done inside of the four walls of a, a production facility, right? You're, you're performing a transaction. Whereas when we think about centers of excellence, even in my, in my group, I have two. Um, so I have our, our COEs that support our finance business partners. We have one in Costa Rica, one in Poland, and one in India. Um, so that's like a business partnering COE that supports the, the finance function. Then we have a reporting and analytics COE. And to me, the difference is, again, just what it is that I'm expecting out of it. I'm expecting a lot of value-added activities. Um, I'm expecting them to be creative, to partner with the business, to ultimately solve business problems. You know, one of the, the statements that we have as our overall kind of vision of, of FP&A is to really be that strategic uh, partner that's improving business decisions. Um, and, and we do that by, um, by driving analytics that, that deliver ultimately actionable insights. And, and I always like to focus on the word actionable because I think too oftentimes in, in finance, we get stuck providing a lot of, of great data, a lot of great insights. But at the end of the day, if you're not in, able to take that, leverage your business knowledge and influence somebody to take action, we've kind of wasted our time. Um, and so throughout our organization, that's something that, that we really strive for. Thank you for joining me, Aaron. I, I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it was a pleasure. Thank you, Justin. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Neugroup's Strategic Finance Lab podcast. Please join us next time for more insights about the future of finance in the office of the CFO. I'm Anthony Michaels, editor of Neugroup Insights. Insights.